Hey everyone, Austin here. On today's episode, Ken and I are joined by guest host Sean Koenig. This was a particularly fun episode for us to produce in that Ken and I actually attended the same grad school as Sean. And he was one of those interesting guys that even though we'd be working on our kind of main studio project, on the side he'd always have these other projects, other kind of secretive projects that he'd be working on on the side. Um, whether if it was uh, collecting really funny quotes from everybody um, over the course of the year and consolidating them into a book or drawing these like elaborate maps of kind of futuristic cities. Uh, But uh, what we're really interested is for the last like half decade or so, Sean's been working in secret on this book that he's um, tentatively titled Readers and Deceivers. And we thought it'd be really interesting to have him on to talk to us about the concept of narrative um and like any um like all the interactions we've had uh, with sean over the years we didn't really know what he was going to uh, like where this conversation was going to start or where he was going to take us and it was actually a really interesting start to the conversation in that he brought back up a video that all of us had watched um in undergrad many years ago called The Powers of Ten by Charles and Ray Eames, uh, which really looks at the the framing of space through these different lenses of scale. Um, so the episode kind of starts off with us looking at framing narratives through relative scales, uh, um, through relative um, frames of scale, and then dives into what does it mean to curate a particular narrative through some examples, and then we get into the book that Sean's actually writing um, in some ways that he was kind of overcoming ways to to think about how to develop the book or his his methodology methodology behind developing the book. So I guess with that, we'll uh, start the episode, and I'll just say enjoy. By just rewatching that video, do you want to frame it? Do you want to frame like, it in that like, capacity? Or? I think you could like. You, you guys have both seen the video. I think you just take an audio snippet from it and put it into. The Are we recording? Uh, yeah, I've started. I've started the recording. Yeah, yeah. We, we might be able to do that. We may not. Yeah. Can we play it really fast? Like, like, does it have a three times speed thing? I think. I, <laughs> what we can, what we can do is. It bugs me how there it says go. Virgo. Virgo. <laughs> This was this is the part that I was very much. How are they splicing all these things together without Google Earth and and like Illustrator and, and all the content? All right. Well, I think we know the gist of it. I don't know if we need to. We can just leave it playing without audio, can't we? Too, if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we have we have Sean in the studio with us again. Sean, welcome. Welcome. Mm, thank you. <laughs> I'm just gonna repeat every eighth word. <laughs> We're we're happy to have you back. Back. Um, the last time, <laughs> such a nasty. Good ad libbing. The last time that we had you in the studio, we were having a discussion about world building and, more in particular, the story that you've been writing for the last decade, readers right. and deceivers. Right. And I think from that initial conversation, we decided that the element that you wanted to dive into was this idea of. Uh, the process or the methodology for actually curating or world world building in and of itself is that is that correct is that what we're going to be talking about today yeah yeah along those lines you know and this uh you know powers of 10 video link in the description comments whatever mm-hmm. you, however you do it 
um, it's sort of a an inspiration point for me writing out this sort of text diagram here, and it's not following it exactly, and it's not. Well, I'll I'll get into it in a second here. Um, can you can to... you can you describe the powers of ten video really fast? All right, so this video produced in like seventy seven by you know, funded by the architects Charles and Ray Eames, and it's you know just this very basically zoom out, zoom back in, zoom in further of everything from uh, this these people on a picnic blanket in a park in Chicago, uh, zooming all the way out further and further to the scale of galaxies you know, you know, millions of light years apart, zooms back in, zooms in on the guy's hand and goes down to the subatomic particles. And just to, you know, sort of, you know, blow your mind, give you a sense of the scale of everything that, you know, we're made of and that surrounds us. So I guess in, in relationship to this concept of world building, what, what was the kind of parallel that you were drawing or kind of the, um, what was the goal, the excitement that you wanted to build in our mind with sending us that video? Uh, it's sort of leading you to think about what are the different scales at which uh, one world builds, and what what you know needs to layer on top of each other. How to how are there feedback loops within the things to make it you know logical in one way or another? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you've curated for us today. Yeah. Is is kind of your methodology for how you've layered these different scales of reality or these right. different scales of thinking about yeah. this world. And this is like a methodology that's sort of, you know, this is a work in progress here, this diagram. And like, I haven't, it's not like I've been working with it for right. years, but it's like me trying to parse out how these things function in my workflow or whatever you want to call it. One thing I think is interesting, like, uh, like it's not like you're, designing the the dna helix of like right this type, but right. it's like it's yeah. all, some of that is implied based off of the choices you make of like who what people look like yeah. you know like or whether yeah. they're humans or mm-hmm. humanoid or whatever like they're then like some of that subatomic stuff is implied and some of that uh what's the opposite of subatomic large atomic macro atomic yeah <laughs> but like well bigger than atoms but like the the full uh, multi-galaxy universe thing is also kind of implied even though you're maybe you're only designing like those that middle range right, in right. a lot of ways, there's, right? There's, I mean, any text you produce or like any form of media product you produce, there's, you know, what's there on the surface. There's what's intentionally under the surface. There's what it inspires in the mind of each person who consumes it. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, anything's working with that from books to video games and all that. Well, let's jump into it. Yeah. I see a list here and I'm, yeah. I want to know what's on this list. All right. It's looking at me. So list. It, Hello, Mr. Um, list. Yeah. All right, um, that's gonna be good sound effects. Let's save that. Um, I aim to please. Uh, yeah, let's see. Put my mouth near the microphone here. Um, so the foundation of this thing, there's 15 elements, and I'm gonna go real quick through them. Mm-hmm. Um, try not to bore our listeners here. Uh, start off. The foundation is science. What rules are different in mm. this world you're building, mm. if any? Because anything else that happens. It's going to depend on us knowing those rules or knowing the differences from the rules of actual science to this uh, fictional uh, thing we're creating here. Right. On top of science, you get technology. You know, how, how can they augment science? How are they working around the limitations? Um, you know, 
and I mean, for each of these elements in this uh, first half here, it's like, how is it different from our own? Right. How is it the same? Uh, top of technology, you got culture. You know, how does everyone feel about the setup? You know, what have these differences engendered in like the different cultures that are happening? And is there, you know, a united culture between the people in contact to some extent? Uh, once you've got all those things set up, you got to know your you got to know your outer bounds. How far can anyone go? Where can somebody hide? Like, mm-hmm. even if you're not revealing it to the to the reader, the the creator has to know. Like, okay, what's the limit of where something can come from? Because you don't want like like the reader's gonna. Most readers would balk at like, oh, suddenly there's this, you know, you know, green guy from another galaxy right. who pops in. Well, let's okay. Let's you're saying way too many good points for the West to not talk about them. Let's do okay. this. In, let's do this in parts. Okay. Okay. Like so, that's the bit. We're that's the foundation. All right. Right. Yeah, so, science, yeah, it's, techno- it's, science, technology, culture, and bounds. Right. That's the foundation. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's because uh, um, you have this whole list in front of you, and I'm kind of wondering of all the elements on the list, what are the deal breaker items? Like, what are the things that are almost framing the largest? pieces like it in that's, that's the it's the order in which i've been uh listing them like science is the very base level on top of that technology. okay so the, the yeah. rules that you're establishing within the the this constructed reality of science they're the foundational element that everything else springboards off of right well here's a question so did you like is that even though you've been working on it for a long time you probably don't know this but like if i were to set out today and say i'm going to start this decade-long journey to create this uh, world. Do I, I act- advise it? <laughs> do I actually start with uh, what is the science I can and cannot break, or is that something you actually would come you, across midway through, halfway through? Like, it, you, but you eventually decide on that, basically. Right. right? Yeah. You can yeah. decide or on anything at any point. You can start anywhere in this process. Right. And but the order in which these things are listed, it's. Uh, like Austin using you know an operable word here, uh, deal breaking. Mm-hmm. Like you got to make sure that at some point that you know these boxes are checked off. So an example for example, for example, like not we don't have to use examples from your your world, but say we were starting this idea of science. And we say okay, there's certain laws of science that we that obviously you know that gravity, for example, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain laws of gravity that exists in our world, but. I mean, we don't know exactly what's happening in the rest of our universe, but we say, okay, in this world, people can actually levitate. Yeah. People could fly. And right. we're breaking that law of science. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I think it was like, I was listening to a thing that J.K. Rowling said once. Mm-hmm. It's like, every time you break a law of science, it gets harder and harder to re-explain that in context. Like when she allows Hermione to time travel mm-hmm. with the, the time turner, yeah, yeah. she like, she only did a couple things like that, even in a world of wizardry where like the science is crazy, right? Yeah. But because she did that, that offered her her fans and like the fan fiction to develop where that could have been used in other other areas to like they're yeah, like, Why didn't you just time turn to like save Harry's parents? Right. Like and then they're That's like trouble. then they're just like, Okay, well you have to use them like super sparingly, right? Like right. that's what you're saying. Yeah. So you break those small laws of science or, or even large wall, large, but only a couple of times, you know? And sometimes you, I mean, you got to think through these things ahead of time. I mean, she has, she said like, uh, okay. So in this next book, uh, there's going to be this little thing where like some curse breaks all of the time turners in the ministry of magic. <laughs> yeah. It's over. She, yeah. Right. I've, yeah. yeah. I remember reading that. Yeah. 
right like there, there was only one <laughs> like there was only one mcgonagall had it. but I, I've, I've found that like in sci-fi or like these fantasy novels it's the small moments that when you break the story that become the almost like the keystone for what becomes magical about mm-hmm. it it's it's like you don't need to change very much it's almost like what if um what if everybody on earth suddenly was able to fly mm-hmm. like the only variable that you've changed is the accessibility of flight mm-hmm. and then it's how the entire world reacts to that new variable and, right and why, why bother putting in stairs and buildings yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so it's like like this book that I'm reading the the planet construction kit. It mm-hmm. talks about very quickly. Love that title, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. on the nose. Yeah, what is it? Uh, Mark Mark Rosenfelder. Um, he talks about that you can list out all the. There's all these like different qualities for um, like having a, a planet. Um, what what would it be like? You can think about uh, astrology, astronomy, biology, history, culture, daily life, religion, technology, war. These are all very common. That's similar to Sean's list here too. Yeah. Yeah, And, but he's saying that you kind of decide amongst the larger list, what's the thing that you want to focus on and what's the thing that you want to break. Yeah. And that, that then becomes the kind of the snowball that builds across everything that we typically think as Mm -hmm. normal. Right. But it's it's the introduction of like now we have flight, mm-hmm. or in the book that you're writing now now we have um, uh, what what would be like these readers and deceivers. Yeah. Like you're introducing this new element, and then everything else that is holistic for us, everything else is now reacting in this new kind of nuanced way. Right. Exactly. But like, let, but the whole point of this is frame of reference, and we talked about this a little bit last time. Mm-hmm. It's like. Is like it seems to be an important thing to have a frame of reference from our world to whatever world you're building, yeah. so people can like actively engage and don't just give up immediately because it's too confusing. Right. 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 But it, like, I almost wonder where the threshold for that is. Like, how familiar should it be, or how familiar? You know, it's like yeah, it's you know? it's it's, it's a, you know it's a tightrope walk. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, I've got some like footnotes in the book as it is right now, but I try to limit that mm-hmm. and try to just you know. Like the last one I was saying, you know, if it flies and it eats bread, I'm calling it a duck. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to say yeah. this is, you know, a, a, you know. Yeah, that can be the subtitle for this podcast. <laughs> if it flies and it eats bread, then it's a duck. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. World building with Sean. <laughs> World building with mm-hmm. Sean. Okay, so walk us through a couple more of these. So yeah. you kind of, you're basing the, yeah. the, like the keystone in all of this is starting out with science and technology. Yeah. And you've altered this in some capacity. Right. And everything else is building off of that. Right. And I uh, have a little, another little chart here of some examples that. Uh, well, let's talk about technology through. and culture. Yeah. We, we, we don't want to yeah. skip over those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. I mean, technology, you know, I mean, you have. You know, you have utopias, you have dystopias in fiction. It's like, is technology making everything better? Is it making things, you know, oppression easier? Uh, and we're, I mean, we're struggling with a lot of that these days. I mean, every, you know, every society deals with mm-hmm. some of that. Mm-hmm. Like, get losing control of the technology. Uh, like, for example, I always find it interesting where when worlds go back to, like, everything is kind of in this medieval, like, Middle Earth, where, like, a lot of the popular stuff, like, take mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, for example. Yeah. They can do all kinds of stuff, but like, it doesn't like. There's no cars and TVs, you right. know, and it's like that seems like too too closely related to like the context in the world we live in, mm-hmm. right? But like some or like some other worlds that are like close, but you know, they're not exactly the same, right? Mm. But uh, like so so technology like one is like Star Trek, they you know, or Star Wars, you can teleport. Yeah, like that's one. that's like boom, I'm allowing that in my world, right? You can hyperspace jump. Well, yeah, I mean. 
Yeah. So what what was kind of interesting is the 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 book was actually talking about how um, it's very easy for us to fall into um, uh, what what is what's what's the word not uh, the trope the trope of the medieval mm-hmm. or the um, mm-hmm. the the trope of the medieval uh, fantasy because that is the closest reference for what feels both foreign and and um, familiar right. and we mm. could see ourselves being both um, adventurous but then also being able to potentially survive in mm. that in that um, mm. uh, reality and so a lot of our fantasy very quickly jumps back to that but in, in yours you didn't you just decided to take more of like a space approach how did like how did you make those decisions to not just simply fall into another medieval story or a Game of Thrones story. When you started thinking about world building, you knew it wanted to be about, um, like, have this kind of science. Like, right. Um, I mean, I, yeah, like I, like I said uh, last time, like, it started off as Star Wars fan fiction and jumped off from there. Mm-hmm. And I re- reeled it back and reeled it back and reeled it back. And, you know, I, at different points, I've asked myself the question, like, oh, could I do some type of, you know, firefly type of thing where earth still exists and we've just colonized these places but uh for various reasons uh you know through you know seeing how the ripple effects that would have on the technology or culture or whatnot i've you know kept it back from that's an interesting point like earth is not a character in your world right even though it easily could have been there's yeah there's it would have changed things because then you've got you know and i feel like a lot of fantasy or science fiction writers deal with this. It, it's like they avoid Earth because mm-hmm. then you've got to deal with all the layers of culture and history. The that politics we have. of like right, what right. it means to leave Earth. And it's like, what's what's left? And, well, uh, there's that. And then there's, there's like, oh, like where France used to be. And now there's just a bunch of like frog-human hybrids jumping yeah. around. As like, hey, that's a logical leap somebody. from France. Yeah, then yeah. It's, it's, I could it's, see frog-human hybrids. Vonnegans, Galapagos. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so, so then if you're not starting from any reference point that we're familiar with, how did you go about of establishing the culture and, and how did you go about deciding what was important? If like you've, you've got this, you've got these line items of yeah. what, what is, what are the deal breakers and the more important, what are shaping things? Yeah. If culture is number two or number three on that list, mm-hmm. what are these rules that you're setting up and, and why, why did you say like culture was number three on the list, maybe above um, like the genders or the sexes or, or um, why, why is culture three and how would you start well, to frame that? Uh, I mean, that sort of stuff's included in culture. Um, I mean, science, like that's just baseline of what is possible and technology is like, you know, the, what have, you know, the societies that have sprung up within these, you know, these worlds, what have they made possible that wasn't possible right. for them? That's what culture is—a reaction, like you're saying, a reaction to technology, right? right it's, like agricultural beginnings of agricultural started because of X, Y, and Z technology right. that allowed that to happen, kind of. Right. It happens when within the framework of science, and it reacts to technology. Right. That's and, a really good point, actually. I like that. And. Uh, but I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see geography on this list. Is that is that framed under geography? I'd uh, like that gets into specifics of like. Like the next level, you know, you got outer bounds and then you've got inner bounds, mm-hmm. and geography fits into there. Okay, right, let's jump like, into that then. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean by outer and inner bounds? Outer bounds is like, you know, 
if there's some kind of crazy thing that comes out of nowhere, what real where really is nowhere? Mm-hmm. Like, is some Deus Ex Machina going to show up, you know? Um, or is it like, okay, hard and fast rule, you can't go beyond here. And, uh, like, Planet know. of the Apes, Forbidden Zone kind of thing. Sort of, yeah. Or, like, yeah. or are you saying the out of bounds of what you would be? what you would insert as a, as the author as possible kind of thing. Is yeah. What I would insert as possible. Yeah. Like I know, I know the outer bounds. Maybe the reader doesn't know the outer bounds. Right. Right. I mean, right, for right, right, each right. of these, it's, you got to decide as a creator, like how much are you going to let the audience in on? Right. So the outer bounds are kind of the growing of what can be out of bounds is almost like the twist elements in a story. Yeah, right, right. Like, are there the, dragons in this world? And like season three, a dragon shows up. And you're like, what? Right. It's kind of the out of bounds the, that you the, knew. Right, the perceived outer bounds. Right, yeah, right. And those right, grow. Right. Um, I mean, that's like this idea of outer bounds or, or the unknown is very, it's like, I, I think it's very fascinating. The other, I like, I really try to do my homework on, mm-hmm. on um, this conversation. So I the, appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too. And I'm right. just reacting blindly. But the the other book that I picked up was Maps of the Imagination by uh, Peter uh, Turchi. Um, and he, like, in his earlier chapters, he talks about this idea of blankness. Like, mm. on... So it's it's this idea of um, combining narrative and cartography. Mm-hmm. Both writing a narrative and drawing a map is about curating, like, starting with ambiguity, curating it, and then acting as a guide to either lead the viewer or the reader on a journey. Mm-hmm. And both narrative and, and maps do this. And very early on, he talks about this idea of blankness or the parts of maps that we leave bare. Mm-hmm. And very early on, it's um, like the idea of the Vikings would write down, this is where dragons live. Yeah. And this idea mm-hmm. that that's not explored yet, but mm-hmm. we understand that there's elements out there mm-hmm. and they define our reality of the world. Or yeah. Tolkien, he mm-hmm. refers to um, like the the Lord of the Rings um, geography as Middle Earth, and in a subtle way, it's also saying that there's maybe an outer Earth. That this is just one component of this like larger story, mm-hmm. and um, like I'm wondering where are the blank places in what you've been curating? Like wh- how how do you decide um, what elements you describe and go into detail, and what elements do you kind of leave vacant? Or, or up to interpretation yeah. um, to suggest that there is this larger framework, mm-hmm. but we don't need to necessarily go out there. We're on these five planets. Maybe there's this alien, um, this larger alien uh, um, empire outside that, but we never visit them. We just feel them as like an outside presence. How, how, are you, how have you wrapped your head around making decisions about where what parts of writing you touch versus which parts you leave blank or mm-hmm. kind of up to interpretation. Right. I mean, some of it is le- like I mentioned, leaving places to hide places that are mm. unknown to the government where it's like conceivably this crazy shit could have been going down for a while. And then it comes into the story. I mean, like you're talking about with, you know, some alien empire or something. Uh, and, I lost my train of thought. Well, I've, I've, well, I was thinking too, like I find that a lot of times uh, when you're reading a book and like they give, you know, some of the main name, the main worlds or main characters mm-hmm. have their own chapters and they give these like little interludes. Mm-hmm. It's like chapter 27 is like a four page interlude and then interlude. And then it's like some very specific conversation in another galaxy far away kind of thing or another like completely different planet. Or, like it's almost like in Game of Thrones where you like 
first see some of those random characters mm-hmm. and even though they're out of bounds there's like a very detailed conversation that happens and you're like what the heck was that and then yeah. like a season later they explain it you know mm-hmm. so like the out of bounds even though sometimes it can just be a you know a feeling it could also be a very specific example that creates that that feeling too mm-hmm. yeah i like i like the word that you're using out of bounds mm-hmm. yeah i think like i've never heard it framed in that way but what about an inner bound we're powers of 10 here what is that what is an inner bound an inner bounds is uh that's more about specific geography environment other conditions i mean like you know what's the climate we're dealing with here you know like that map i showed you where this you know these continents converged like they mm. st- the settlements happened around there um naturally cuz you know defensive harbor and all that s- sort of stuff's going on um how does that work why did these places happen these places that the story necessitates to exist in order for you know xyz to happen it's like contextual or vernacular like that kind of okay mm-hmm. got it got it not not how far inside you could okay, that right makes sense. um no, I could talk about their gut bacteria, but I, I don't think anyone wants to read about that. There might be an interlude. Maybe grass endocrinologist, you know. Do like um, an Osmosis Jones. Yeah, true. I mean, maybe maybe that is very important. Maybe that's like where their abilities come from <laughs> is like some kind of bacteria. What it was in, in Stargate, the um, the the Tulks or um, I forget his name, but they all had uh, those kind of uh, snake creatures that lived in their guts, and that's how they got their their like language ability mm. yeah so if we did tier one what's tier two what grouping of here this is tier two in world building uh still going down tier the like the first half here because mm-hmm. in the middle of all of this or the middle level of this where it turns the inflection point is characters oh okay so we're still in tier one yeah tier one b so after inner bounds you've got civilizations and that you know results after geography and climate and all that stuff like and if I'm like making supplemental art, like that'll inform like, like what are they wearing? Like, you know, how can I twist what we have in all the cultures that we have on Earth? How can I, like, think about how those things were informed by their climate and their geography, and repurpose some of that into you know logically different. So, what's the difference between culture and civilization? Culture is like. Um, that's more on religion and how they perceive the worlds and uh hmm. you know how do they how, how do people process how do they live within the bounds that science and technology have set right so like very and, baseline larger yeah. kind of okay yeah on. and civilizations gets more into like uh who has the power right and how did that happen like royalty wears this type of clothing or something in, in like a way that. Not like that's I'm trying yeah, to that, specifically that's, find yeah right. You could burrow down and get into that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, um, beyond civilization, you have forces. So within and between these civilizations, like who is who's trying to change things and who's trying mm-hmm. to keep them the same? Like motivations, kind of in a lot of ways. Yeah, you got yeah. motivations. You've got you know, I mean, a lot of this feeds off of the elements listed above, um, as to like who's happy with the world, who's not. Yeah. And why are they trying to change things? Politics. Yeah. Got it. And then you're, then we reach the middle point, which is characters. Who are they and how do they fit in to all of these things that we've set up? Right. So at this point, one of, like, say, if a character dies, all the other things are the, are the baselines. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, it's like they're not going to get vaporized if there's not some sort of vaporizer gun, you know? Well, me, no, meaning like if a, if a character yeah. does leave your story, yeah. the world that you've built is still there. It's not like character-centric in a lot of... It could be, right. but yeah. You can start at any point along this list. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you got to yeah. make sure ever, you got to make sure things support each other in this order. Mm-hmm. You can, can you bring up... You bring up a really good point. They're like... All the things that you're listing right now, Sean, are these kind of uh, what's what do we the powers of ten? Mm-hmm. All, the, all the things you're listing are the the powers of tens of how you're building this world. Mm-hmm. But have we reached the point uh, in these powers of ten where you've actually started the story yet? Like, does the story uh, that comes st- that's in the second tier? Yeah. God, okay, so really, th- like all the things that you're listing right now are just you curating elements for the story to live in. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. That you want to take a quick break before we jump into the characters and the rest of the story? What do we? Is, how much of this other of this tier do we have left? Oh, this other stuff is pretty, you know, quick. Like these are familiar concepts in a way. All right, do, um, you, want, do you want to just list them out really fast? Yeah. Or? So characters, you have interactions, conflicts, sequence, and that forms into a story. And then beyond that point, uh, you know, as this diagram as I have it now, it's probably not perfect. It's like. How do you get it to the audience? How is this coming across? Perspective, rhythm, and lastly, phrasing. Perfect. So then all these things live within... Perfect. Perfect. The, the it's over. It's perfect. The recipe of perfection. I mean, we could talk about that for a long time, too. Or are, you, are, you, are you over this list? No. no. Um, yeah, we should knock into the recipe of perfection. Let's take a quick break. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. ZipRecruiter... Dot com. <laughs> Most are we recording right now? Yeah, we're on. We're, we're. Employers get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of their first posting. Isn't that great? That is great. How about that ad? I was going to say, how about that ass? How about that ass? <laughs> Damn. Man. Now, uh, so. Do you use Lisa mattresses or me undies? Oh, I was just listening to an ad about Lisa mattresses. Lisa mattresses. L E E S A. I thought. <laughs> When they were introducing Lisa mattresses, they were like, hey, do you know Lisa? And I was like, oh, I don't. Who's this new character you're going to introduce <laughs> uh, me to? And they're like, Lisa mattresses. And I was like, oh, you fooled me. 100 nights free. You've made me care. Full refund. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, what a great ad. That was on That was on Spontaneous Nation, right? He always talks about Lisa mattresses. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was just listening to him uh, talk about how he wanted to put a flagpole up in his yard. And I, I actually... My parents had flagpoles when I was when I was growing up, so I'm pro flagpole. What would the flag be? Like the big old like school flagpole, and you yeah, have but what, like the flag oh, itself, the American flag. You can oh, put okay. up like hey, uh, you can fly any flag you want. Exactly. You can put up fifty one flagpoles, one for each state, and one for all glory. <laughs> That's our sponsor from Flagman. <laughs> this has been Flag Talk. This has been Flag Talk. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but jumping back in, I ah. think the the thing that the thing that I found really fascinating is you've curated this world and i think and like correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you've curated a lot of this world kind of going off of gut and and off of what you've seen work in probably like movies and other narrative stories right but but you never you never used any kind of like pre-formulated plan like it doesn't like you found an instruction book and filled in the blanks and filled in the blanks and it's like it's really interesting like looking at these two books and the way they're describing about telling stories because they're framing they're doing they're suggesting doing what you've done Mm -hmm. which is to curate this world and then curate the way that you are defining characters 
as a friend of mine would say, think minds great alike. Exactly. Exactly. I, but I, I like I find it like really fascinating. This idea that writing is often discussed as two separate acts: exploration and presentation. Exploration being the assertive action in the face of uncertain assumptions, and presentation to create a context for and to lead the reader on a journey. And you've you've done this in this two tiered section that you've mm-hmm. essentially written down. You have yeah, the series that's are like defining the world. And then the presentation half is how you're now curating these characters right. that, that live within it. Yeah. And so I think before the break, we got through the way that you've curated the world. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the second half of, of what you've, where you're kind of leading this down. Yeah, this is the harder part. This is the harder part. Okay, where, where you've, you've built the world and now the characters need to start running around and living. Right, it. what happens. Yeah. And doesn't yeah. make any sense. The moving parts. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, you've got the characters who have to, you know, make sense within the context or like, you know, you break the rules selectively like we're talking about. Um, but like, the reader perceives it as breaking the rules, but you know what the actual rules are mm-hmm. and what the perceived rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're leading that a lot. Uh, so characters, you've got next level interactions. How do they bounce off of each other? What are their relationships? Um are there, you know, prejudices or that sort of stuff still going around? Right. Because um, inevitably, if there's moving, if there's parts that are moving, they're going to have yeah. different conflicts and opinions. We're trying to kill the same bug for like, yeah. the whole time. Remember that time Obama killed that bug and then PETA sent him a message? No. Fucking PETA. Fucking Obama. Just kidding. <laughs> I like Obama. Uh, I, I saw no reason uh, to let this bug live. <laughs> Hey, okay. Bob, Bob in the studio. So if there, okay, so characters. If there, if there are characters, then inevitably there have to be character interactions. This is kind of like a logical progression of like how the how story writing works, right? Right. So then, what's the next level? So the next level is you know conflicts, and that you know from interpersonal, how does escalate to the scale of national? Mm. You know, like what if everyone if, just if agree with each other all the time. Right, right. You got no story. <laughs> yeah. You know, and how do these conflict? You know, conflicts are the best way to develop and. Uh, define characters mm-hmm. uh, to let their you know colors show and all that, and to show them you know changing as a result of these conflicts. Um, and you know I, whether you you know you return to the same place but changed, or you know there's all sorts of different ways you know story shapes to do it. Right. Um, and on conflicts, you got sequence, and you got to decide you know how to these conflicts lead into and inform each other. Um, and, you know, you got to make sure that, like, if there's a war going on, that there's a legitimate reason for that going on, for starting, continuing, ending, all that sort of stuff. Um, got to make sure that, like, if this character has already dealt with this issue, like, you know, having to go through the same thing again. I mean, you watch certain shows, like, I mean, Walking Dead, like, how many times do they have to learn not to go off on their own? Mm-hmm. Don't go into the woods alone. I'm going alone. You can't follow me. They follow them, and shit goes down. Like, come on. Well, like, war. the war point is a really interesting example because I think a lot of our modern civilizations or civilizations throughout time have been, like, hinged on th- there's a big war in the beginning and a war in the end kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, that's, like, the American identity or, the like, Rome fell began and fell or all, all these things, right? And in most stories, like, you know, we've talked about all the main, like, canon and stuff. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. All of this stuff has, like, an initial conflict and then there's an end conflict. Right. And it's, like, that's a bit, 
you know, that's a really relatable way to, I don't know if your story does that, but like, that's a, mm-hmm. you're saying like characters, color, characters, colors can show in one-on-one conflicts, but they also kind of also usually live in this, this context of their, how they, how they handle a larger conflict. As right, well. right. Right. How do they perceive their place in the larger conflict? Yeah. yeah. And war often is hand in hand with that. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So once you've got these sequences of conflicts, you, that, you know, you've got a story, like you throw some potatoes in there, baby, you've got a stew going. <laughs> That's another subplot, <laughs> subtitle for this. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Uh, let's see. So you, you're looking at a story here. So what's the point? What's the takeaway? What happens overall? You know, what are we getting out of it? Um, well, I mean, this is, almost, is this almost like the end of, a, of another tier? It's, it, it's kind of a sub-tier, yeah, because yeah. that, that together is like what happens, and beyond this, it's I'm going into like how is it related, how is it conveyed. And so you've got, beyond story, you've got perspective, you know, through whose eyes are we seeing everything? You know, first person, third person, limited, omniscient, you know, that really, you know, that affects things a lot. Um, you know, which character are we following? You know, was, you know, I mean, there's been this, like the past 20 years or so, there's the the popular thing to do, you know, with, you know, following the villain is like, oh, they were just misunderstood or like mm-hmm. wicked or something, you know? Yeah, we're we're all inherently good and evil and some are just further down the spectrum. And, and what is, what's the origin story that's making them that way? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Um, I don't buy the Wicked Witch of the West being good, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you've got, I mean, perspective. And the, a fun example of the you know change of the perspective is you know Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Have you? I, I'm not familiar with that. I don't even know what you just said. Rosencrantz <laughs> and Guildenstern are dead. It's a play about the two minor characters in Hamlet. Okay. Who like they're sent to find Hamlet, I think. Uh huh. Take him somewhere, uh, and they just disappear. And you know the this play that's called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, more or less confirms our conclusions that they'd got whacked somewhere, but it's them experiencing all of the events of Hamlet. It's just as being these side characters. I, like, I, I what now, the fuck is going on? I here? now want there to be an entire episode episode devoted to these two characters that I've never heard of before. There, it's, I now it's, I now care about these two characters more than any other characters I've ever heard mm-hmm. of. That's a there's a movie version with a uh, uh, Timothy Spall and. Uh, I forget who the other guy is. Um, he's, he's famous too. But anyway, uh, some perspective is important. And once you've got that, decide what that is, you can you know t- talk about rhythm. How do we order things for dramatic effect? Are we starting in the middle? Are we starting before the beginning? Or, you know, after we're starting after the end of one thing, and you know, um, and it's like, are you having you know, are you having flashbacks? Are you having premonitions of what's going to happen um it's like poetry it rhymes um then you've got uh the last <laughs> element on you just here quote george lucas uh, yeah yeah the last thing on here is uh phrasing you know how best to put it mm-hmm. uh, you just got want to avoid it being clunky one way or another and you know if you've got these like a lot of science fiction or oddball stories i read like in my creative writing classes in college like the writer was just trying too hard to make it different it's to the point where it's just alienating mm-hmm. um well one point i find interesting about these three the last three is like a lot of stories 
what they do is like it's told from this main character or mm -hmm. there's a there's a certain delivery that yeah. usually happens a certain perspective rhythm that, but then like every fifth chapter or every 50 pages there's like a there's a chapter or a, or an interlude that's not from their perspective right. and even if they're in it it like it shows other people viewing their actions and it actually might be different than how they're viewing it in their head right so that's, it offers like a yeah. dual perspective on like their their perspective you know what i'm saying right that's something you have to consider is like how much are we how much are we getting the wool pulled over our eyes as readers? Right. Um, someone is, uh, someone's deceiving us and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and, you know, being deceived, you know, there's, there's a charm to a certain level and at certain points, it's like, stop fucking with me, dude. <laughs> readers and deceivers. How much are you deceiving? Stop fucking with me, dude. Most <laughs> reading, tagline. most reading, little deceiving. That's like on um, the inside cover of the book. It says readers and deceivers. I never felt fucked with. <laughs> that would be a ringing endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I never felt deceived. Author missed mark. I was expecting to be deceived most of the time, at least half of the time. <laughs> All right. So now we've talked about this you know, diagram I've here. We can. I've got a few. I've got a couple examples of science fiction stories, and then I'll talk about what I'm building. All right. Let's uh, bang it out. Yeah. So, I mean, Star Wars, you start with science, you got the force. That's the difference. Right. For technology, you've got the hyperspace travel and you've got lightsabers and laser guns and shit, you know. Um, culture, you've got some inequality, you've got, you know, rebellion happening, you've got despair. Outer bounds, it's the galaxy. We, you know, that's pretty big outer bounds, but nothing's coming from another galaxy. In, mm -hmm. let's see, inner, uh, almost had it. Uh, inner bounds, you've got these, you know, whole planet biomes you know how does that even function um that's one of my only complaints about star wars is like the, the whole planet is a jungle <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> um yeah there's you know, story complaints about prequel and sequel trilogy but it, we're not gonna get into that um so you got this handful of planets that the story takes place on let's just you know for this i'm just gonna keep it limited to the first movie yeah um, civilizations, you obviously got the Empire and few exceptions who are not ruled by the Empire. Forces, you've got, you know, the Empire and the Rebellion. Um, and, you know, almost all of those things are established in those three paragraphs at the beginning. Mm. You know, you know, bada bing, bada boom. You're, you're with it, you're ready. And, you know, characters, you know, we've, uh, you know, Luke, Leia, Han, Obi-Wan, Vader, you got their interactions. You got, you know, Obi Wan teaching Luke. You got Luke, like Han, learning to trust Luke. You got, you know, Vader's like, I sense something. You know, uh, Obi Wan's somewhere near here. Uh, that whole confrontation. Uh, you got the conflicts uh, that built from those interact that you know happen within and without those interactions. You got, you know, Luke leaving the farm. Uh, you got. They decide to rescue Leia. They've got the trench run at the end. Spoiler alerts here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Like 41-year-old spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. So you got the sequence, and so you've got these... What's the important thing to take out of the sequence is, you know, you got the thread of, you know, Obi-Wan's advice and his voice is in Luke's head, you know. Uh, and you've got, you know, Han trusting Luke is like, oh, here's this stupid farm boy. What does he know? And then, like, helping him out at the end. Uh, why didn't Chewbacca get a medal? There's an, there's another complaint. Um, 
you think George Lucas would have like you know, you know, CGI'd one onto him by now, but in the TV reruns or something. Wait, right. they never gave Chewbacca a medal. He didn't have a medal at the end. What? Yeah, maybe it was under his fur. It's <laughs> the best explanation I've heard. <laughs> um, Not fair at all. Yeah, and so story. What are you getting out of this? I mean, you've got the you know the hero's journey, good versus evil, hope versus fear, all those classic things. It's really a you know it's very good as a diagram of a lot of classic story shapes, you know, uh, perspective, you know, we're mostly following Luke and he's the audience, you know, surrogate in a way, mm. learning about all these things. Um, rhythm, you know, we start in the middle of things and, you know, you know, post-rationalization, they titled it episode four. Um, but you've, you can tell there's already a conflict underway. They've stolen the Death Star plans and all that stuff. Did George Lucas have all six planned before he started the first one? To a certain extent, yeah. I, I thought it was a series of books or like scripts that he had written, yeah, he and had he written decided scripts. the most marketable one would be the story of Luke and Leia. That sounds familiar, mm. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they were all completely fleshed out, but after the first three had made, they'd completed the expanded galaxy like he chose. Series. He knew he was writing the fourth one at first. I, th- I think I he. Think so. I think he had like it was very similar to how Tolkien has like the Cimmerillion, or he's got the larger context. Yeah. But the exciting story was like of the Hobbits and of of the Ring. Right. And so with Star Wars, there's the larger story, but like the most marketable was the story of Luke and Leia and Hans. Interesting. Right. And the phrasing, you know, you look back at the movie. It's there's a lot of colloquial phrasing to make it accessible. You know. Um. There's, you know, certain words, but each of the, you know, words, you know, lightsaber and all that stuff are introduced to us gradually. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's very accessible, which is, you know, part of why it was uh, successful. Sean, to kind of ask a question, do you think, so everything you just described, the whole second half that you described, mm-hmm. those are characteristics of any story. Right. This people, is not... people having conflicts and people... Um, like learning about each other or or experiencing like growth do you do you think that like that those elements are the narrative and what's actually fascinating is the setting and the world that's built around like do we it, it's it's a combination you know world, you world building to... and narrative building are basically the same thing right right and i mean with this like the, you know i'm describing this in the context of science fiction because you know we're uh, readers and deceivers was uh, starting point for this, uh, the interest here. Um, but you know, this stuff could apply to any story. I mean, you have some like comedy set in New York City, and you know what the outer bounds are because they're just pretty much the same as our world. And science is different because there are ghosts or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got technology. You've got you know, don't cross the streams and stuff like that. Uh, Another rule broken, uh, you know, lot, you know, and it was made to be broken. It was Chekhov's gun, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, if they say in the first third of the movie, "Don't do this thing," you know, it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't don't put a uh, don't put a shotgun above the fireplace if you don't plan to use it in the second chapter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this could a this framework, you know, this list thing that I working on could apply to anything yeah this is and great you have you have more examples than just the one yeah, so yeah. Can, you, can you walk us through a yeah. second one yeah so uh not to steal rob's thunder you know 2001 oh i forgot what i was gonna say there no we can we can go into 2001 no i meant to say that's cool but then i i, 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 I cut that out cut that out 
Cut I, it out, boy. I, I meant to say on theme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm going to keep all of this in. Okay. All right. So 2001, the science, you know, what are the different rules? I mean, you, some of that you don't get until the ending. And we don't even understand what the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, the, the movie lives in uh, this abstract space. You know, technology, you've got space travel. Culture is, you know, just an evolution of our own. Um, the outer bounds, you've got the solar system. The inner bounds, you know, for most, for the most memorable par- part of the movie, you, they're confined to this ship. Mm-hmm. Um, civilizations, you've got, I forget what exactly, like it's, is it the UN or the US who's funding the thing? It's the same like Cold War BS, right. all that stuff, right. you know, the powers. Uh, right. And you got the forces, you got, you know, man versus uh, technology, more or less. Uh, you know, characters, basically you've got Dave Hall and Frank, uh, whose name I had to look up because I just forgot what the other guy's name Frank was. Frank Poole. Frank Poole. Uh, interactions, you know, you've got Dave and Frank trying to f- figure out what's going on. You've got Dave and Hal, you know, I'm afraid, Dave. Um, <laughs> Dave, don't do that, Dave. Right. I'm scared, Dave. Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, conflicts, you know, obviously, as humans, we're hoping for Dave's survival. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was rooting for the robot. Yeah. Not to each their own. Uh, I mean, sequence, I mean, from the beginning, you know, we got, we got, you know, the monkeys around the monolith, and we've got, you know, the famous montage from the bone to the ship. I mean, it's really, you know, a vast scale. Mm-hmm. Um, in which all these images, you know, conjure these things in our mind and build upon each other. Uh, in story, you've got, you know, technolo- technology going from, like, what's the point is what we're getting to. Like, technology goes from, it, like, it threatens to go from inferior to, you know, to our demands to superior. And, you know, Hal just gasses the other three guys, you know, whatever, like, uh, 50-year-old spoiler alert. Um how it kills the remaining crew. Yeah. In 1968. So, so Sean, in, in all these examples, is there like a thread of convergence or, or a, th- a thread of divergence? Like, are they all following kind of this methodology or what makes them special? Is Are they breaking something from from the way right. they've structured and this? Right. And that's differentiation between the stories is like what is defined for us and what do we have to, what are we left to figure out? Or what we just you know don't have time to care about. Well, the interesting thing about 2001 is like it generally is a natural kind of progression with Earth as a reference, right? And then it's like not until I mean the technology is obviously a little more advanced, but you could see the jump happening. And then right. not until the end do they say we're breaking science and technology to create this like full different reveal of how the human mind and consciousness could be. So it's exactly. almost like the if, if this was like modern world and this was 2001. The whole time they're like pretty similar in the way that we could see those worlds reacting, and then it's like, poof, and then just at the end it kind of like flips you for a loop, that kind of thing. So right, yeah, and that's probably what makes it successful. Whereas like Star Wars, it always says in a galaxy far, far away, so you know like the reference of Earth is it w- was there or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Long, so yeah. like, but it's all away. It's usually really, really far apart, mm-hmm. you know. So like, th- that's the I guess for me that's kind of how I see these two stories differing from the way they follow the reference path. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, you're right on the money there. Um, That's what I try to do every time I speak. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 
So you have, you have all these yeah. examples, but then you said there was a third part that you... Yeah, that's readers and deceivers over here. Ooh. Oh, okay. We're going to get so some details? A little bit. Let's jump into that. Okay. Um, yeah, feel free to cut me off anytime I'm boring. No, no. That, I, like, no, it's well, all good. I guess what I'm saying, I, I think Austin, like, he, he wasn't necessarily trying to find the answers here. He was just mm-hmm. breaking it down logically. So, like, I don't... Yeah, it, just, it was just an example of this how that how the, works. This is how the yeah. framework yeah, exactly. works. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so... Readers and deceivers, what's different about the science? Readers and deceivers, pretty much that's all there is. The differences in the rules. Um, Can you define that really quickly without getting out too much? Yeah. I know we did it last time. but Yeah. Mind readers and shapeshifters. There we go. Um, and there are, you know, there are rules as to how much each can do. But, you know, spoiler alert for... 20 years in the future. <laughs> I hope everyone can't shift into anything they want and everyone can read it. Yeah, it, I, I can't, bec- like, the guy can't become a potted plant. Hey, you never know. That could be the big reveal in the end. <laughs> he was this plant the whole time. Well, I've been watering him. I've been deceived. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> oh, um, let's see. So, technology on top of that, you know, you've got space travel to some extent. You've They've got gadgets and whatnot, but there's things. There's not crazy, you know, there's not teleportation or anything like that. Um, I try to keep the technology level to hard science fiction. Like, this could be feasible one day if, you know, so-and-so did this. Like, your ships have to spin to create a gravity field. I'm not saying you, but, like, that's, like, a good example of hard science fiction Mm -hmm. versus Star Wars world. Right. Um, You know, let's see. So, culture, you know, you've got some inequality in there. Um so not everyone's happy with the setup. I mean, religion I haven't considered all that much uh, in the first volume. It becomes a more significant factor later. Um, but there's, you know, different people have processed, you know, having readers in their society differently. Right. And some of them, you know, have become, like, work for the court system. Or others, it's, like, completely outlawed. And if, you know, like, if the, like, if the townspeople find out so-and-so's a reader, they're going to get lynched. Well, those two forces are like they're almost uh, weighty enough to almost create a like religion or like a philosophy being like they could be central to how a, a whole culture operates, which is what you're basically saying. What, yeah, that is that could happen and some, you know, religions have to, you know, say here's where they fit into, you know, our book. I know they're not in there, but here's how, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we how, here's how we process that. Um you know, outer bounds. We've got the star system. Um, you know, once I found out, like, in the research, like how much it would take to get to another star solar system, like, that's too much. It's, right. It's, it's just too much. So you're abiding by like a general rule of time kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, inner bounds. You know, you've got these cities and countries, and they each have their own things going on. And as I'm building these, you know. I'll do a city map or I'll, you know, I showed you some planet maps. Um, I'll decide like, okay, so this area is mostly like, it's not going to be forest. This just has some brush across these, you know, dusty hills. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or like, this is an extinct volcano, you know, that sort of deal. Um, Let's see. So then we get down to civilizations and there are all sorts of countries. There's no like, you know, like some people, Star Wars, uh, have, uh, you know, a planet-wide government. Like, that's just silly. That's never going to happen. 
You don't think we could have put in a wide government? That's never going to happen. Like, look how, you know, feckless the UN is. I always, I always talk about, like, our largest issue in the way that we run things is scale. And things work great when it's, like, 10 people living on an island. Right. But when you have, like, 7 billion people trying to organize it's themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So it's like the it's like the Roman Empire, like how there was like four you know four major generals that ruled, or like Alexander the Great. Like you only spread so far, you leave one guy in Egypt, he's eventually going to start his own. You know, he's yeah. going to start his own. Like right, so exactly, it's only natural for people to want power when they're away from the source of power. Yeah, right. So then, did you have to break down each of these planets into like manageable kind of? In some ways, like I drew out country lines, and like I knew some of them some of the ones that would become central to the story and others it's like maybe i'll change those boundaries it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. can you also do the thing where you define one planet and then the assumption is that the other four work in a similar fashion and so in in some ways yeah in some ways i allude to that like okay so you know uh no like there's a sort of coalition between most of the countries across the planets it's like okay like you know nobody's gonna legalize cannibalism or stuff like that um, i thought you were gonna say cannabis <laughs> oh that's that that's probably legal cannabis or cannibalism um that's the it's a you know it's a choice <laughs> it's a cho- how, how that's many subtitle cannabis or cannibalism it's a choice yeah <laughs> make a good choice or not like have a great day or not it's the choice, choice is always yours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that Simpsons episode where, like, the, the Treehouse of Horrors, where they put the kid in the stew. <laughs> like, mmm, Trimbo tastes pretty good. <laughs> that's the, that's the soundbite we're using right now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the forces within civilizations, you've got the international coalition, and they've got, you know... A lot of the main characters are working for that and are, like, dealing with crimes that cross borders. So they, you know, because jurisdiction limits and all that. Um, and also it's just convenient for them to be able to go pretty much anywhere. You know, it's some of this, you know, as you're world building, it's like you're just leaving yourself room for something. Right, yeah. And this, to some extent, you've got a hand wave because no one can do everything or think of everything. Yeah, that's or what, or some people you know have full time jobs and can't write for a full time job. What was it? The, as a full time uh, job. I wonder if I can find this really fast. Yeah, here it is. Um, the the one book was talking about how at the end of Blade Runner, mm-hmm. the uh, the AI, the um, what are they? The, AI, the the replicants. The replicants. The replicant. Like, there's this whole idea that like everything exists like on Earth, and they have the replicants. But the replicant, like, very like off the cuff, says. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships uh, on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I've watched sea beams glittering in the dark near the Tyrannosaur Gate. All the moments will be lost in time like tears in the rain, time to die. Yeah. Well, the, but, re- the replicants were built to be on Mars. In exactly. Runner, and right. then they illegally came back, right? Yeah. Right? Well, uh, Mars and I think like... Whatever colonized areas yeah, were Yeah, there. all these yeah. colonies all over the place. But, um, but like what you have is there is only just so much time to tell the story. Right. And he just makes mention of this huger, like this, this larger construct mm-hmm. of society that, that they exist in that essentially is getting wiped out. And, and there's no need to exhaustively define it. Just make mention of the fact that there's something to be lost. 
Right. Sometimes a question's better than an answer. Yeah. So I didn't mean to do yeah, that. Yeah, going. yeah. It's about, you know, uh, it's a free country. We can bring up valid points if we want to <laughs> and interesting things. This is what the interesting things is the point of the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. You've got the International Coalition. You've got the Resitone, which is like this snowballing organization of space pirates, basically. Ooh. Um, and they like mocking, like the characters mockingly refer to them as space pirates, but they're, they're pretty serious. Um, you know, <laughs> no one said pirates weren't serious. Yeah. Um, I mean, modern, you, you know, you see Captain Phillips, you know, they're like, they're serious about being the captain. <laughs> they are. They are very serious in that I mean, movie. Definitely yeah. not joking about it. God, I no. watched that movie during a first date once. That was, <laughs> <laughs> was a mistake. <laughs> I was like, Tom Hanks, this is going to be great. Oh, geez. I love his movies. <laughs> Castaway's got those long pauses. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Wilson. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Hugh. So, and if you get to the, you know, the inflection point between world building and what happens here, you've got the characters who, you know, the names mean nothing to you, but here that, you know, uh, and then you've got their interactions, you know, and their relationships build into and like come from and build into conflicts um and let's see like the space pirates are attacking people and that sort of feeds into the you know the starting point of the story um you know then there's this you know spoiler alert backstab that happens otherwise oh. yeah no gonna not gonna say anything further on that um, so, and when so when you get to this point it kind of becomes like you don't want to give away a lot of the story, but then it's like a lot of these things are obviously going to happen. And, you know, right, right, right. And I'm just, you know, skimming here. You know, you know, you, I've got a, you know, you've got a sequence set, you know, you return to certain places and others are just sort of throw away one way or another. Um, so what's your primary delivery method going to be then? The last three, the kind of perspective, rhythm, and... Um, so, you know, what's the point of the story? It's a lot about trust and identity um, to a large extent. In perspective, you've got a close third person. Mm. Like, you know, you can sort of tell their thoughts, but it, it's more like observing their thoughts and not analyzing them in a way, leaving that up to the reader. Um, and rhythm, it's mostly chronological. I'm not doing any crazy Christopher Nolan shit here. Um, you know, Dunkirk, it's overrated. Um, phrasing. Hot take. Hot yeah. Take. Uh, phrasing. Why the past year has everyone started saying hot take? I don't know. Ken says it a lot. I just want to be cool. It's a sports thing, I feel like. A lot of sports talk about hot takes. Mm. I don't know. Just In my day, we called it a controversial opinion. Or just somebody being an asshole. <laughs> See, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. No. Controversial opinion! Flirty, <laughs> no. uh, chibberty. Uh, and the phrasing, you know, as I said uh, the last time we spoke, you know, I framed this as like I have adapted this story from its original language just to make it digestible for everybody and puts things in colloquial terms. And when that's not possible, use footnotes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the rundown. I love it. It actually really helps to have like the Star Wars breakdown before. I mean, I, I that, thought so. Makes yeah, a lot of sense actually. So. I mean, my my thought with like, what's interesting is like the first, the tier one, two, three, 
or whatever tier one, two you're talking about, I think it's like, do you have to do, do you don't have to actually, we, we talked about this in the beginning, but I kind of want to bring that full circle. Like yeah. you, did you, you easily could have developed a character before you developed the world. Uh, yep. You definitely. know what I mean? Yeah. So you can start anywhere. How did you approach that? Um, well, it's, it's very cyclical and it's, you know, if I were to diagram all like how it develops, it'd be, it just look opaque because mm-hmm. it's just a web that keeps on weaving over and over in all these different directions. Um, Right. I, I guess mean, there's, what, no, there's no good answer. To right. And it's, I mean, when you're developing one thing, you've sort of like got to back check it against the supporting elements. That's actually a good. Idea. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so like when you're when you're creating this, do you see yourself more as like working with clay or working with like an eraser? Do you see yourself just kind of adding things to it and moving them around? Hmm. Or do you see yourself creating content and then editing it out? I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, a little bit of column A, column B on that one. Um, so, I mean, writing this story, it's very additive process. You know, you know, like Hemingway said, like, write drunk, edit sober. Um, you know, just get everything out there and then edit it down so it's digestible, you know. And, you know, decide, like, having your... There's certain things, as a writer, like, you have in your head why this happened, but is the reader going to care? Does it matter to their overall takeaway from the story? You got to consider these things. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this like diagram in my head of, of a, like the very, because like, this, this idea of like origin of a story is really fascinating to me because like you always have these influences and other things that you've known in your life and you have mm-hmm. this atmosphere in your head of these influences, mm-hmm. right? And it's like I'm almost imagining one diagram where like there's a person and like there's a blank white screen around them, uh-huh. and then the world kind of gets drawn and filled in around. Yeah, them. yeah. And then there's one diagram where the the world starts getting drawn, and then the person is like dropped in, mm-hmm. and then there's the person there. It's like it's almost two different. I know yeah. both of those things are constantly happening, uh-huh. but it's like, do you paint the background or the foreground first? Almost. They're right. There's different schools of thought. Yeah. And that's just reminding me of that Daffy Duck cartoon where he's like constantly getting redrawn. Oh right. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. And what was that? There was another thought in there besides Looney Tunes. Um, Doesn't he like yeah. physically get erased like on yeah, screen? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and let's see. As to how, now that I think back, like I could say that this started, I started from the point of conflicts. Mm. Uh, it was a f- like four or five panel thing of stick figures killing each other. And then I tried to, you know, figure out who they are, why are they here? You know, what's going on around them okay it's not just it's not just character and it's not just the base world of like technology outer bounds inner bounds science whatever it's like you could start like you actually could start at rhythm for example or perspective and say like i'm right. gonna like i'm gonna push everything specifically through this delivery method first yeah you know? yeah i remember a story i read in one of my creative fiction classes um that was it was written in second person mm. and it's like you go over to this place you like you buy a coffee you yada 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 um and then the like Shyamalan twist at the end is that it was being actually it was being written in the first person by someone who was stalking you oh that's cool that's very creepy it was great (laughs) 
Yeah. Dude, there's there's just so much to talk about with this. Yeah. I th- I think this is a good place to kind of end this first episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you've kind of you've framed a lot of the way that you've been thinking about it. Yeah. I know I'm very excited um, for how we start to incorporate this going forward mm-hmm. into different ways that we can kind of pull at this and, and find exciting ways to talk about this. Yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of room to go one way or another. Yeah, or how to visualize it. Yeah, which I'm keep seeing in my mm-hmm. like literally we could take Star Wars, make a cool diagram of how that, I'm like seeing the diagram already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, something, some infographic version of this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. A, a really simple infographic of that. I like how you like also take. Like the things that you do with a single, shingle, a single sheet of paper are like things that I don't see people do anymore. Like <laughs> fold them, like make grid lines, like draw. Like it's you know what I mean. I it's was awesome. I was you know we started out drafting back in those you know. Yeah no I like they used to teach it. But like this pa- these are such an odd size for a piece of paper. Yeah. Like whatever this size is and that size is like a very odd size. Yeah. Uh, like they're well, not standards. Yeah. This. <laughs> You see, this is half of this. But what is this? Is this eleven by? This is not eleven by seventeen. None of these are standard sizes. This is like legal. Sold. This is legal size. This is not legal size. This here's how this happened: is we don't have to keep recording this. Um, okay. But uh, no, we're gonna, we're going to close out and say goodbye. This might be bonus real stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, let's let's go ahead and say goodbye, and I'll. Uh, <laughs> All right. well, Sean, I'll tell you about. Sean, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for yeah, uh, yeah, thanks for talking about. My pleasure. A lot of fun. All right. Thanks. Hey everyone, Ken and I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the episode. The Table Sessions podcast is produced and edited by me, Austin Raymond, and Ken Filler, and is a product of The Table Sessions Media, a collaborative platform for audio, visual, and written content. Our theme music was created by Dan Filler. You can find more from Dan on bandcamp.com, such as his album, As the Soil Turns Red. If you like what you heard, you can visit our website, thetablesessions.com, to check out our full range of content. You can also follow us on Instagram at Table Sessions, where we post photos and content from each episode. Also, if you'd like to support our cause in more tangible ways, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thetablesessions for exclusive updates and more. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next episode.